0: It's really good to be here today, and I have a real sense in my spirit that God wants to do something very specific and um, and very important today. I know we we'll get that sense most weeks, but I really believe that the enemy has been trying to push back. I don't think I've ever, in all my years of doing eGals, I have never experienced uh, such a difficult time to actually get up and actually get here to do this. I, I, just a real sense of, um, of weakness and a sense of the enemy's voice in my ear, a sense of not being able, a sense of uh, desperation to need God because I do believe that today and over the next few weeks, I believe with all my heart that God wants to do something special, something that God wants to put into place in our lives. That is going to be very important for what he has up ahead and so hence the the title getting our lives in order because this this is uh, this title is very much what i have felt in my own life over this last particularly this last week a real sense of god's timing and this being god's time for such a time as this and how we are actually living out that scripture and, and and this is a time i believe that god wants to drop some things in place that are going to be very important and essential to connect us for what is about to happen in our lives so uh, we're in agreement with that are we that god is going to speak today so let's just look at uh, Luke 18 i've been really felt god has put this particular scripture into dropped it into place in my heart we're going to look in, in in Luke chapter 18 and we're going to read from verse 31 where it says that Jesus took the 12 disciples that is aside and said to them behold we are going up to Jerusalem and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of man will be accomplished or fulfilled is another translation for he that's jesus will be delivered to the gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon they will scourge him and kill him and the third day he will rise again but they that's the disciples understood none of these things this saying was hidden from them and they did not know the things which were spoken. The king took his 12 disciples aside and you'll see in your notes that I've just jotted down this, this sentence. Jesus was sharing his heart with those closest to him because he was going to Jerusalem and he knew what was going to happen. He knew that he was going to become the saviour of the world. He was Israel's Messiah. He was the king of kings. He understood that he was going to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies, and that involved horrendous suffering. But the sad thing was that his disciples didn't get it. It says it was hidden from them. And it reminded me as to how so often we read the Word of God, and so often we don't understand it, we don't get it. And the danger of coming in here on a Tuesday and listening to a message, but not actually getting what God wants to say to our hearts. Because the enemy wants you to come in and go out the same as you, (laughs) he wants you to go out the same as you came in. He doesn't want there to be any radical change. He doesn't want you to be awakened and to realise that God is actually speaking to you and he's saying something very definite and very important to you. And so I feel right now I want to stop and I want to just ask you to take a moment and for you to ask the Holy Spirit to open up your understanding so that, that it won't be hidden from you. So I'm going to give you just a moment to do that, just to ask God to open your understanding, to open your spirit, that you might hear what God wants to say to you today. Is that okay? Just let's take one moment. And I join with you and I say, Lord, please speak to me. In Jesus' name. You see, as we read into Luke 18, we're going to discover that Jesus was going to pass through for the very last time. He was on his way to Jerusalem and he was going to pass through some areas and he would never go that way again. And we're gonna look first of all at two men who who, who took their opportunity, two men who had life changing encounters with Jesus. And it was like the last chance for both of these men. Let's just read on and see what The Holy Spirit is going to say to us, let's let's look at Luke 18, verse 35. Then it happened, as Jesus was coming near Jericho, that a, a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet but he cried out all the more son of David have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him and when he had come near he asked Jesus saying or Jesus asked him saying what do you want me to do for you and he said Lord that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it gave praise to God. This this story is, there's more information given about this particular incident in Mark's Gospel chapter 10 where it tells us that the man shouted out repeatedly, Son of David, have mercy on me or have pity on me. And Jesus stopped called him to come and it tells us in Mark's gospel that the man threw off his coat I believe he was thrown off the beggar's beggar's coat I believe he had such faith that that I believe this man was awakened to understand this was Messiah he was crying out son of David it was the Messiah title he was crying out son of David have mercy on me and the people were trying to keep him quiet but he was not going to be quiet and you know, there's sometimes in our lives whenever we're after, we're after the Lord to help us, whenever we know we need God's help, whenever we know we need to hear God and we need, to, we need him to help us and to touch us in a fresh way, there's sometimes we just have to cry out to God and we've got to stop out every other voice and we've got to make sure that we're calling out Jesus. And this, this blind man, I worked with blind people for a long, long time. I actually trained under blindfold myself so that I could learn the difficulties of having to get around as a blind person. It can never be the same, but I got some kind of understanding. And you know what, my heart breaks for this man because he was depending on the people around him. Who's here, where is he? And you know, spiritually speaking, we are blind. And we have the word of God. And we have the Holy Spirit who will open up our blind eyes and who will direct us and, and, and show us where and how to get to Jesus. And this man knew he needed desperately to have an encounter with Jesus, son of David. The one that had been prophesied about, the one who was David's greater son. And you know what? I can just imagine as the, as the people were saying, keep quiet. He's no time to talk to you. Keep it quiet, and he shouted all the more. And Jesus stopped. Do you know that Jesus always stops when we cry out to Him? He stopped, and He said, "Bring him to me." And I can just picture, I can visualize this blind man jumping to His feet. He probably was already on His feet, and He just threw off the the, the, the old beggar's robe. You know why? Because He was going with expectancy. He wasn't intending to have to wear that beggar's robe anymore. Do You know, he was going to make sure that he was going to get to Jesus. And when he got there and Jesus said, what do you want? He said, that I might have my sight. And that day he had a life changing encounter with Jesus. He received his sight. I believe he received his spiritual sight as well as his physical sight. And it says he rejoiced and he followed Jesus in the way. Do you know if he had missed him that day? Imagine if he had missed him. Imagine if he hadn't, if he hadn't called out to Jesus that particular day. His life would never have changed the way it did. And I believe today that there is something in the air that God wants to do with you and for you. That is very, very important for what's up ahead. And he, the Holy Spirit does not want you to miss it. God does not want you to miss what he's going to say to you today. This man was able to see and I believe there's some of us and we're not seeing things spiritually the way God wants us to because you know what the enemy can blind us. He can blind us to lies and so often we are we are walking and living our lives like blind people. We are not seeing what God sees. We need to get into tune with what heaven sees, what God sees, what God says in his word. And we need to start seeing the way God sees. And you know, we look at things and we see obstacles and we say, that's impossible. I couldn't do that, nobody could do that. That couldn't happen, this couldn't happen. This and that's looking with your blind eyes. God wants you to see with his eyes. He wants you to allow his Holy Spirit to illuminate, to give you spiritual sight where you see what he sees. And will you begin to believe it and begin to rejoice and praise him and follow him in the way that he's leading you? And I don't know where you're at in your lives and I don't know what's going on, but I know that God is right beside you today. And if you've never asked him to be your saviour, now's your chance. Now's your chance to cry out and say, Lord, please come and save me. Come and heal me, forgive me. Because do you know what? He wants to save you and he wants to make your life. He wants to make your life worthwhile living. And he wants you to live the life that he has planned for you to live. So so this man, this blind man, he he stepped up to Jesus with expectancy. He realized it was his chance and he took it and he began to praise and to follow Jesus. Let's look on in Luke uh, chapter 19 uh, and let's look at the first ten verses where we're going to look about a rich man first was a blind man now this is a rich man it says then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho now behold there was a man called Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich and he sought to see who Jesus was but could not because of the crowd for he was of short stature so he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus for he was going to pass that way and when Jesus came to the place He looked up and saw Zacchaeus and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received Jesus joyfully. And when they saw it, they all complained and said, he is gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus was rich. Like as far as this world terms of concerned, he had probably everything he needed. He he was hated, true enough. The the Jews hated him because he was working for the Romans and he was he was collecting taxes and the Jews hated anyone who 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 worked for the Romans and, and obviously the tax collectors so they hated him. And they saw the Romans as their greatest enemy and so they hated Ciccaeus. But he I mean really why would he care? He had plenty of money in his hip pocket. He probably, if he was, if it was today, he'd have been driving a big BMW. He'd have had a big, a big um, desk sitting up there for the people to come in. And really, the Romans gave the, their tax collectors pretty well free scope because they could take as much as they wanted and they could pocket a part of it. And so they were all very wealthy people. But you know what? With all his wealth, Zacchaeus wasn't actually satisfied. There was something missing. And that's the truth, isn't it? The world really can't offer it. we could sometimes we think if we had loads of money, we would have everything, not a bit of it. You look around and you see all the people who are so wealthy and they're the most miserable people often. Because money doesn't satisfy. And so this this man, Zacchaeus, understood that there was something about Jesus. He had obviously heard something about Jesus and he really wanted to meet him. He was curious and he although he was small he was determined he was going to try and get to see Jesus. But it was difficult because in Jericho, which apparently was a town where I just noticed last night, uh, reading somewhere, that it was a town where um, a lot of stuff would have come in from the east. So tax collectors would have been there because they would have been taking the money of the customs as they were coming through. And uh, he was determined he was going to see Jesus. And so because he was short, because he was lacking in stature, He determined he was going to climb a tree and sycamore trees apparently are quite low branch trees easy to get up on branches spread out quite low and so he got himself perched up into the tree and waited for jesus to come you know as i thought about this this man this wee man climbing up a tree and and not for not for one minute imagining that Jesus was going to stop at the bottom of the tree, let alone, never did did Zacchaeus imagine that Jesus would stop and look up and call him by his name and tell him to come down. Now, I was lying in bed last night and I was thinking about what a difficult week it had been and how, not, not that anything real bad was happening, just a real struggle to actually get to hear God and a struggle to even get this written up or to hear what God wanted to say. And I was lying in bed and I was thinking about some of the complexities. Did you ever think about the way your mind goes? Did you ever think my mind's like going round in circles? And I was lying in bed and I had this, I had this real, what would you say, moment of revelation. I just felt like God said. I know everything that's going on in your mind and it was like a moment of revelation it was like a moment of do you know God understands the way I'm feeling I don't actually have to I don't actually have to even put this in words God understands and it struck me that Jesus understood everything about Zacchaeus when he was up the tree even though Zacchaeus didn't didn't know that he he knew everything and even though Zacchaeus didn't For one minute, imagine that Jesus would stop at the tree. Jesus stopped at the tree. And it was just like a light twist went on for me. And I just felt like the Lord said, sometimes, Maureen, you're up a tree. But you know what? I know where you are. And I know what's going through your head. And I want to say that to you this morning. Are you up a tree at the minute? Are you in a place where you're looking more, but you don't know what you want? You don't know what you need? And it's almost like... Well, God wouldn't listen to me and, and God's not going to stop at my tree. I want to tell you this morning that God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what's going on in your head. He understood every thought, every need, every emotion that was going on in Zacchaeus's heart and in his mind. He understood the way he was thinking, that all the money wasn't enough. He understood all the hurts and all the stuff from the past that he was carrying. Remember, he was a small man, possibly overcompensating. It's not often the way? Whenever people are feeling that they're less and have very little self-esteem, how they will try to get more money and look the part to try and... Don't we all do it? Don't we all do it? Because all of us feel that we're not good enough. If, if we're truth be told, all of us feel, well, if you get more and you get, accumulate more material stuff, maybe you feel better about yourself and others will have a greater esteem for you. This is the way that this man's mind was thinking. And how do I know that? Because he's like all the rest of us. Because so often we think if we get more and if we, if we, if we learn more and we, we become better off and we can look the part, then people will respect us and they'll listen to us. But you know what? None of that is enough. And Zacchaeus was looking for more. And Jesus knew what he was looking for. And I don't know what's going on in your life or your heart right now. I don't know what your emotions are saying to you. I don't know what your mind, what the thoughts that are going around your mind. But I want to say this to you, that Jesus wants to stop where you are today. And he wants to say, come down. It means humbling ourselves. It means getting down out of the tree. See, up in the tree, you can look around from a distance and you can hide yourself and keep the mask. Hide where you are. When we come down, we've got to be real with God. And you know what? Zacchaeus, I just see him slipping down that tree just like that. And you know what? When Jesus spoke to him, I believe his heart jumped in his his spirit. I believe that Zacchaeus, when he heard Jesus using his name, something leapt within him. Oh, that you could hear and know that God is speaking to you by name today. That he's speaking your name. That he wants to have a conversation with you. And as he spoke to the case, he was impacting this man in a way that nobody else had. What did Jesus say? He said, Make haste and come down. For today I must stay at your house. Do you know that that Jesus wanted to go home with the case? He was going to go, he was going to have a meal with him and it says that Zacchaeus made haste and came down and received Jesus joyfully. And today the Lord I believe is stopped right where you are and he's calling you and he's saying would you come and talk with me? Would you come and spend some time with me? Because I have got things to say to you and I believe he would say to you today that he wants to stay at your house. That's this house, this body, this place he wants he wants to travel with you. He wants to go forward with you. And did you notice what Zacchaeus said? He said, "Lord, I gave half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restored fourfold. Do you see this man, it wasn't just a superficial thing. It wasn't just an easy kind of, I'll just, you know, well, I'll just get forgiveness, but I'll carry on the way I've always lived. This man knew that to be a follower of Jesus meant a change of lifestyle. And he was willing for that change of lifestyle. And you know what? Salvation is a free gift. It's a free gift given to us by Jesus. We cannot pay for our salvation. We cannot earn it. It's free, but you know what? There's another sense where it costs us everything because when we receive Jesus, we receive him as our Lord and our Savior. And from that moment on, everything really belongs to him because we are surrendering ourselves to him because he created us and he knows how we were formed and he knows what we were made for and he knows how we were meant to live. And, and really when he died on the cross for us, he died to purchase us lock, stop, and barrel. And so salvation is free, but, but Zacchaeus understood it was going to mean changes for him. And he was willing to make those changes. And so Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. And he refers to Zacchaeus as being a son of Abraham. That makes me believe this man was a Jewish man who had got tied up with the Romans. You know, it's so easy to get tied up with the wrong people. It's so easy to get our lives tied up in ways that will take us away from God. But Jesus found Zacchaeus. It was the last opportunity that Zacchaeus would have to actually connect with God and to get his life in order. And so Jesus said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to seek and to save the blind man and But also we need to remind ourselves he came to seek and to save us. He came from heaven to come here to save us, to seek us out and to save us and to save us for those purposes that he has. Let's just read on because it's very interesting what happened immediately after this. Verse 11 Now, as they heard these things, Jesus spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. So he's going to tell a story now. He's going to to tell a parable. We probably all know that a parable means an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So he was going to tell them a story about something that would happen on earth, but really it was a story with a meaning about God and about heaven. And he was going to tell this story because he understood that a lot of the people around him thought that he was going to bring the kingdom in there and then. See, a lot of people thought that Jesus was going to ride in in on a white horse and he was going to kick out the Romans and he was going to set up his kingdom on earth just at that time and the Jews were all for that because they wanted to get the Romans kicked out and that's what they wanted their Messiah. They visualized the Messiah who would come in and just sort the Romans out and set up his kingdom. They did not see and they did not understand the suffering Messiah. They did not understand what Jesus was going to do, that he was going to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies about suffering. They didn't want to think about suffering. They just wanted to think about victory. And because Jesus knew what they were thinking, he told this parable. Let's read the parable. Jesus said, a certain nobleman, or some of your translations might say a certain prince, went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants and delivered to them ten coins and said to them, do business till I come. But the citizens hated the nobleman and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, this is a nobleman, having received the kingdom, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then then came the first saying, Master, your coin has earned ten coins. And Jesus said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little. Have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your coin has earned five coins. Likewise, Jesus said to him, you also be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your coin, which I have kept, put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you, because you are an austere man. You collect what you do not deposit, and reap what you do not sow. And the nobleman said to him, Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant, You knew that I was an austere man collecting what I did, not deposit, and reaping what I did not sow. The uh, Amplified Version says, You knew, did you, that I was an austere man collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the coin from him. And give it to him who has ten coins. But they said, Master he, is ten co- uh, "Master, he has already ten coins." But I say, for I say unto you that this is Jesus speaking: that every one who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, <coughs> and slay them before me. You see, let's just slip back to Zacchaeus for a minute. Zacchaeus had just, we would say, he had just got saved. He had just received God's salvation. He had had an encounter with the King of Kings. And he understood that receiving the free gift of salvation meant getting his life in order. It meant change. It meant getting things sorted out. And so just as, as that incident had taken place with Zacchaeus. Now Jesus is going to tell a story and the story is going to further illustrate the practical outworking of what it means to be be saved, to be a Christian, to be a believer. Because you see when we truly receive Jesus by faith, when we receive salvation which is a free gift, but when we receive it there is a call upon our lives to live our lives for God. The Bible says that by our fruits, that God will know by our fruits that we belong to him, that other people will know by our fruit that we belong to him. So when we truly receive Jesus as Saviour, because a new divine life has been born in us, and because we have the Holy Spirit now witnessing with our spirit something in us, Brings up that we want to serve God out of love. This man, this, this servant who didn't make any use of the coin that he was given, was a man who didn't really know God because he saw God as being a God who was unjust, a God who would want to reap where he didn't sow. And by his own mouth, he was actually confessing. He never even knew who God was because he didn't understand what the gospel meant. And you see, this parable that Jesus told was really about himself because he was just like that. He understood that he was going to leave the earth and he was going to go back up to heaven. He understood that he would be coming back again and he wanted his disciples to know that they would be left behind and that they would be given the gospel and that it was up to them to to use the gospel, to invest their lives in preaching the gospel and in seeing souls come to come to salvation. And you see, that is what God is calling on our lives for. Now, there's another, there's another um, parable in Matthew's gospel, which we're not going into, and it talks about different talents. And there is a sense where all of us have different talents and God calls upon us to do different things. But this particular parable is about each servant having exactly the same coin. What is the coin? It's, it's really speaking of the gospel. How we have been given, we we get, we are saved by faith ourselves, and we now have been given the Holy Spirit, so that we might spread the good news, and that we might see His kingdom come by seeing souls coming into the kingdom. That we might use the gospel, that we might trade, if you like, that we would be like these servants who would use what we have been given and spread the gospel, so as to see His kingdom come. But this particular, this particular um, servant hadn't he hadn't done anything with the coin he'd put it inside a handkerchief and other translations as he just hid it why because he was afraid and you know so often the enemy will use fear in our lives but this man I believe with all my heart this man did not know God and and, and so the story the parable says that the nobleman said you I will judge you out of your own mouth and so this this man who had been given the privilege of the coin, it was taken off him because he didn't do anything with it. Listen, guys, here's what I would love to say to you today, that we have this inestimable privilege of the gospel, that we know Jesus as our saviour. We have received him by faith. And if you haven't, if you're in here this morning and you don't know him, now's your chance. It's a free gift of salvation. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins so that you could be reconnected to your father in heaven and have the Holy Spirit resident within you and live your life for the kingdom so that you would see God's kingdom come. This is the privilege that we've all been given. But you know what? The enemy doesn't want us to use the gospel. He doesn't want us to spread the good news. He wants us to keep it to ourselves. And if we know Jesus, we will be like the servants who, who went out and bought and sold, who used their lives to invest, invested their lives for the kingdom. I believe that people who have no desire to, to serve, serve the Lord, I believe people who have no desire to actually share the good news of the gospel, there's something wrong. I believe it's, it's just like this. This character who who didn't really know God at all, this servant didn't understand. And you see, God wants us, he wants us to spread the good news. He wants us to know that there are people he'll bring around us, that he's depending on us to tell them about Jesus, that he's depending upon us by our lives to live the gospel out. He wants us to know that there's a call on us to invest our lives for him and for the kingdom. You know, sometimes it's easy to think that, that there's really no urgency for us to be up and, 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 and out there telling people about Jesus. But you know, there never was. There never was another time in all of history, I believe, like right now, And you know what? People across this planet are having encounters just like this blind man and like Zacchaeus. People across this planet are having encounters with Jesus and they're getting things sorted. They're getting their sins forgiven. They're getting their lives set in order. And you know what? At the cost of their own lives they're going out to spread the gospel. Even just last night there was a message came through from Mark Crozier uh, about a guy, he's just back from Jordan uh, where the Syrian refugees are coming in and made some contacts out there and there was a message came around on our phone last night asking us to pray urgently because a young man who found Christ and who was actually in from Iraq who's actually in Jordan at the minute was coming out of church and was kidnapped and taken away by some of these people, his family apparently have disowned him and have actually sworn that he will die. And this is what people are up against and here we are sitting in this country and we can be Christians and we can be safe and we can have it easy, but you know what, across this planet there are people who are prepared to give up their lives for for the sake of Jesus and the gospel and the good news that we have. And, you know, I believe it's so important that we do what we can. And that's why I just want to commend you for giving even to Shelley and Francis, because that is important because at least that's something we can do to help them in their position to bring the gospel forward. But you know what? All of us, God is looking at our lives and there will come a time where he will come back, just like this nobleman. And just like this nobleman got these servants and had a wee conversation with them. How did you get on with the coin? You know, the Bible teaches that there's such a thing as the judgment seat of Christ. And God, Jesus, will have a conversation, a private conversation with us, and He'll be asking us, What did you do with my gospel? What did you do for the kingdom? And do you know what? The amazing thing I mean, it's amazing that we're going to be in heaven. It's amazing our sins are forgiven through what Jesus did on the cross. It's an, an absolutely amazing fact that we are saved by grace and not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, it's a free gift. But you know what? When we serve him and when we invest our lives for him in any way at all, the wonder is that there's a further reward for that. Did you notice what he said? He said, when they said, well, first guy said, well, I've got 10 other coins. Well done, he said, good and faithful servant. Go there and take over. There's 10 cities there ready for you to take over. Go and do it. Authority. A work to do. Do you know what? There's a work for us. When Jesus sets up His kingdom, we are to we are to rule with Him, and and as we as we prove ourselves to be faithful in this world, so He will hand us authority, and He will hand us opportunities to do work for Him in His kingdom. I mean, is that not the best news you could ever think of? Good enough, we'll be in heaven, but imagine we'll be actually given responsibility. You know, there's nothing as satisfying as doing what God calls you to do, and so we see that that uh, Jesus was showing this particular, he was showing this, he was speaking out this particular parable so that, that not only would the blind man and Zacchaeus get their lives in order, as they did, but that the people around would understand that there was a cost to following Jesus and that they would be prepared to, not only to receive the free gift of salvation, but to serve Jesus with their lives. And so as we continue to read on here, because we're coming to the best bit yet, as as we continue to read on, we see that Jesus was going to fulfill this prophecy. Let's look at Luke 19, verse 28. When he had said this, that's told the, 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 the parable, Jesus went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, That he sent two of his disciples saying go into the village opposite you where as you enter you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat loose him and bring him here and if anyone asks you why are you loosing it thus you shall say to him because the lord has need of it so those who were sent went their way and found it just as jesus had said to them but as they were loosing the colt the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosing the coat? And they said, The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the coat, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then, as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen and saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. I love this piece of scripture. I could get so excited about this piece of scripture because as probably many of you know, it's a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy that we can read about. More than one prophecies, but we can read particularly about one in Zechariah where uh, it says... Regarding the coming king, it was prophesied in in Zechariah 9, verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And it goes on to say, His dominion shall be from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. You see, Jesus was fulfilling. He was going towards Jerusalem for the last time, and he knew that he was going to fulfill the prophetic scriptures that said that he would ride into Jerusalem. We now know it was Palm Sunday. We know it was the day one week exactly before he was going to go to the cross. And he was presenting himself like the Old Testament scriptures said he would, he was presenting himself to Israel as their king, as their saviour king. And he was fulfilling those scriptures as he entered into Jerusalem. Now let me tell you, many, many years ago, actually way back in the 1980s, I went to Jerusalem with a friend. Now I'd been before, but I'd gone with this friend and we were backpacking. you believe I was backpacking, (laughs) the only time I think in my life and we were travelling around by bus and someone had told me of a path that you could take from Bethany over the hill, over the Mount of Olives which brings you right down into Jerusalem. So we got the bus out to Bethany and we started to walk, this friend had told me where to find, pick up the path and we began to walk from Bethany towards jerusalem where there's a point in jerusalem where you just go round the corner and you see the city so this was the journey we were going on it wasn't it wasn't very long but i never forget that particular journey because as we walked along uh, we were reminded that that for the week before he died on the cross that jesus traveled every day from bethany into jerusalem and this was the route that he would have taken and we i remember us walking and i remember looking at the hills on the left hand side and i remember just thinking I can't believe that I'm walking along this route and that I'm looking at the same hills that Jesus looked at. It was, I mean, it was just mind-blowing. And I remember we were walking and we were just walking in silence really and just talking to God as we went. And we came around the corner and we could see we'd come to Beth page. And I'll never forget, there was iron bars, like railings along the side. And when we looked over, you will never believe this, There was a colt and a donkey tied up on the railing when we entered Bethpage. I'll never forget it. We stopped, and I mean, in all my life, I've never forgot that moment. Do you know that Jesus went specifically to Bethpage, knowing that he was going to (laughs) fulfill the scriptures, and knowing that a colt was going to carry him to present him as the king, the one that was lowly, Sitting upon a donkey and he was going to present himself to the to the Jewish people. He's going to present himself to Israel. And you know, as I was preparing over the last few days and thinking about this coat, the first thing that struck me was that they had to loose the coat. And you know, before we can serve jesus before we can truly carry him in every department of our lives you know we need to be loose and you know the enemy will try to tie you up to the to the to the railing so to speak he will try to tie you up in whatever way he can that you can't be free to do what god's called you to do but do you know that 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 little animal was loosed and he was brought to the savior so that jesus could sit on him and he would carry jesus down into Jerusalem I want to tell you something else whenever William was born he was born in the Urn hospital and we had no I had no idea that he was going to be born down syndrome and when he was born the news kind of hit everywhere and people were coming from all over the place to see William and you know the, the staff in the iron Hospital were just tremendous. They, they normally were usually very, very strict about visitors, but you know what? They just threw open the door and they said, visitors can come any time, any day or night. People were coming in to see me at all times of the day and night. But remember one particular person came, and you know what he said about William? He said that he felt that William was going to be just like this coat. That in the eyes of the world, he would not be seen as very much the cult wasn't really seen as being very much but he said i do believe that god will use him to carry jesus do you know that meant so much to me what greater privilege than to carry jesus and you know william is down syndrome he has a hearing loss he can hardly speak he speaks very few words he's very very limited but do you know that he does carry jesus and i as his mother see it in him in all kinds of ways. When I see him happy to to sit in his bedroom with worship music on most of the day, he would sit in there for hours with his worship music singing. When I see him walking around sometimes in his room with just a tear running down his cheek as he's worshiping and I don't know what's going on with him but there's something going on. Do you know what it reminds me? It reminds me that the weakest of us, that Jesus wants us and he wants to untie us and loose us so that he can use us for his glory. That coat fulfilled prophecy. That coat was there for such a time as this. It was waiting. It was tied up, but it was waiting to be loose. And when it was loosed, it was able to fulfill its divine purpose and carry the King of Kings down into Jerusalem before the Israel people. What a privilege. What a privilege to carry Jesus. And we can carry him. We can carry him in our lives. We can show him to the world around us. And we don't have to be great. And we don't have to be that gifted. We just have to be willing to love him and speak up for him and serve him in whatever way we can. And so Jesus rode into Jerusalem and the people cried out. Psalm 118 also speaks of the same the same time in history it speaks about how the jewish people cried out in psalm 118 verse 26 blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord it goes on to say in verse 27 in psalm 118 god is the lord and he has given us light bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar you see he was on his way to the altar he was on on his way presenting himself as their king, but also as their saviour. He was heading to the altar of sacrifice. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, I will exalt you. Oh give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. You know that that particular day let me tell you this that particular day as jesus rode down into jerusalem he was not only fulfilling the method by by being sat upon that colt. the cult was fulfilling the prophetic word it was available but not only was he being carried down into jerusalem by the colt but he was being carried down at the exact moment in history that had been prophesied that he would enter into Jerusalem. If you go to Daniel's prophecy and you go to Daniel chapter nine, verse 25, you will see that there was a specific prophetic word. You don't hear much about this nowadays. You don't hear people actually referring to this at all. But actually there was a prophecy given in Daniel that, at the particular date, when the, whenever the command went out to rebuild the temple after the fall of Babylon, that after that, that there would be so many weeks of years before Messiah would be cut off. Do you know that a man called Sir Robert Anderson wrote a book called The Prince Will Come and he worked out the timing from the date that the temple, that the command went out to rebuild the temple. He took that date and he worked it out. Do you know when that date was fulfilled when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday down to the very day? We need to know we have a God who works to a timetable. He has his timetable. It's not what we see. It's not what we understand. But he has a timetable, and it's for this this world, and it's for what is going to take place before he sets up his kingdom. That particular day, as the as the coat carried Jesus into Jerusalem, the people cried out, "Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord!" And they spread their garments before him that he would ride over. Listen within one week, within one week, they were going to be crying, crucify him, crucify him. This is the world that we live in. Blow hot, blow cold. For you one day, not for you the next. We see it in political circles. We see what's happening in the world. We see how everything is going crazy and out of control. And yet, you know what? Never have we seen, never have we seen the power of God being lifted up. Do you know what? Something's happening in our world. Yes, it's evil. Yes, it's getting worse, but something's getting better. I'll tell you, the light is getting brighter. And as we, as we can start to cry out and shout about, about all the bad things, listen, we need to understand that, that the light is getting brighter. The time is coming for God's purposes to be fulfilled. The King is coming back. He's coming back. The question is, are we going to get our lives in order? Now, I tell you something. This week, I've been really challenged about getting a few things, things I wouldn't tell you about. Because I know you've got some things you wouldn't tell me about. But there's some things that I know I need to get sorted and I know that there's some things you need to get sorted and do you know what now's the time do you know what it's really important if the blind man Bartimaeus or the rich man Zacchaeus if they hadn't taken their opportunity if they hadn't grasped and had that encounter with Jesus things would not have worked out so good for them now is our time I've written in your notes at the end there is a time to get our lives in order and that time is now like Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus sort out whatever is binding you or hindering you from giving your best to Jesus and use your life and I'm speaking to myself as an opportunity to invest for him to see his kingdom come that's because there is no greater honor or satisfaction than to love and serve the King of Kings. And you know what? He's soon coming back. We haven't got that much time left. Now is the time. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time to act. Lord I pray that today that you will speak to all of us in a fresh way. I pray oh God that you will now by your Holy Spirit that you would just quiet and help us to quieten our hearts and that you would speak right into every heart of every woman and i pray oh lord that there might be an encounter as we sing this song again all for jesus i pray oh god that there will be something happen today that will lord that will hit our spirits that will connect us and get us sorted to get our foot stepped forward to move in step with you. I think it was last week in the prayer room, we finished off the last few moments in the prayer room by taking one step forward. And we we said it was a step in faith to actually step out and believe what God was saying to us. There's no point in getting it all in our heads academically if we aren't going to step it out. And we said it was important and we actually took one step forward just as a as a a sign, a token if you like, that we were going to step forward believing that God was taking us into what he had purposed. Believing that he was answering our heart's cry. Believing that he had purposes and things for us to step into. But we would have to do it by faith. And so today we just agree now, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you will speak to every heart as we sing this song. And Lord, that we might really hear you and respond to you today and that something might be connected, Lord, that something will happen, Lord, to get us sorted so that we can say by the end of this morning, Lord, that we have got our lives in order. Lord, we want to go forward with you. We can't do it without you, Lord, only by the power of your Spirit. And so we just now commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Let's just stand and sing this song again. And we declare over you that God is doing something deep in hearts today that is important for the next part of your journey you are free he wants you loose and that's why if you read the rest of Luke chapter 19 you'll see that he wept as he drew near the city why because he saw that they weren't going to make the right choice if you had known he said if you had known he wants you loose he wants you free and he wants you to fulfill all that you were created and designed to fulfill for his kingdom. And that is what will fulfill you most and give you the greatest joy as you go through life. I got this through on my phone this morning and I have a sentence for someone and I'm gonna read it to you right now and then we're finished. A time to dance. Your time of weeping is over and now you're to move on in your journey. Even though this has been a difficult and stressful season, it's time to move on. I am changing your weeping to dancing. I am giving you a new song, a song in the night. Your morning is over, and you're about to start dancing like never before. Be encouraged that your last season was not wasted, but I turn things around for my glory and for your good, wasting nothing. My beloved spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. I believe there's an an invitation being issued today for us to get ourselves on our feet with him, ready to move with Jesus as he moves. Where he moves, we move. Where he stops, we stop. We're ready to go on in this journey for him that he's calling us to go on. We've finished today just at that point where he wept over Jerusalem. And between now and the end of this season of the Giles, we have now got one week of Jesus' life. Over four weeks, we're going to cover one week, the last week that he spent on this earth. And I believe God's going to speak to us. I believe God wants to do more in us because he wants to do more through us. Let's go for it. Let's give it our best. And, and bless you as you go in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father, for all you've done today. We seal it in now in the name of Jesus. Amen.